good morning. It's 2 a.m., roughly speaking. It's November the 16th. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday, November the 16th, 2022, in the age and the time of Bo Blimpdock. That's right. Wednesday, November the 16th, 2022. It's just after 2 a.m. on a Wednesday. And here I am in Utah, and a week from now, assuming reality conforms to some pattern of expectation, a week from now, I'll be back in Seattle. A week from now, I'll be hanging out with some family. A week from now, I'll be preparing for Thanksgiving. I'll spend it with beans. Beans is a French bulldog. I'll spend Thanksgiving with beans. We'll eat cheeseburger pie. We'll eat brokeback pumpkin. We'll eat the other side of the moon with little beans and me watching the outer limits, probably. Maybe get taco time with little beans. Celebrate Thanksgiving, hooker style. Yeah, hooker style. But life is nay too simple, ne'er too simple. In the great briefness of its flutter, one finds oneself in a state of desire. And if one inspects desire, one finds jealousy. And if one digs into jealousy, you also find envy. And envy finds passion. And passion needs cocaine. I need my cocaine. I've never had cocaine. If I'm going to survive Seattle, period, you know, I'll need cocaine. It turns out an eight ball of cocaine, um, depending upon its quality, and I, I don't want the cheap poop your pants shit. I don't want the lactate. I don't, I don't want any of that stuff cut with some type of, you know, medicine that's going to make me poop my pants. I want the pharma-grade yayo. And, you know, an eight ball of that will cost you three to four hundred bucks, maybe five hundred, for a decent, you know, eight ball of yayo. And it's true, I've never done cocaine. And if your comment to me is, well, Dan, why would you want to do cocaine? You're such a young man with such a hopeful future ahead of you. I would say, fuck you. I mean, of course I'm joking, right? But after 2020, I don't take health advice from anyone, period, really. The, the only reason why I went to that 
wretched hospital a couple months ago is because I was falling over sideways. And if you're falling over sideways and you can no longer walk, maybe at least going to the urgent care, which is wh where I went first, but they didn't know. So they, they sent me to the ER and amongst other things, the nurse didn't know how to find a vein. That was fun. And then they do all kinds of tests and they tell me they don't know. They're not sure. They, they couldn't, you know what folks, after 2020, after my recent visit to the high-tech future of American healthcare, you can take your commentaries on health and whatnot and keep it to yourself, okay? I follow the non-aggression principle, which means I don't mean you any fucking harm, okay? My existence is not something that you have to depend upon. All right. If you if you think of my existence as a gift to you, you don't understand how this works. You don't. But the bottom line is, I don't want to harm anybody. What I do to my meat case, what I do to this flesh, what I do to this two hundred and you know fifty boblimptok plus pounds of gumptus meat, is my own fucking business. What you do, if you, if you want to take an injection because somebody at a big pharma company told you it was okay, I'm not going to tell you to stop no more. That's over. You do what you want to do right up until the stupid fucking end. If you want to go get your booster shots, go get your fucking boosters. If you want to get your yearly flu shot, fuck you, get two of them. If you want to take ivermectin and shove it into your cock, so somehow you make sure you don't have the monkeypox? I don't care. I ain't gonna stop you. We are on the verge of something. I don't know what it is. Most of my listeners probably don't know what it is. But whatever the fuck it is, it, it, you know, it's probably not good. And that being said, if your way of coping is to live a normie kind of life and obey the law and just, you know, that's fine. I don't want to harm you. I just need some money so I can buy some fucking cocaine. I've never done cocaine. From all the movies, it looks sexy and exciting. You know, Al Pacino at that desk with a mountain of cocaine. You know, Johnny Depp in that movie, you know, blow, a lot of cocaine. I could get some cash, maybe somebody would donate hundreds or even thousands of dollars to my fucking podcast. And with that money, I would wander on down to Pioneer Square in Seattle. I'll go down there and talk to Scrumbly Bear. He's the number one dealer on the square. I'll ask Scrumbly for two or three eight balls of high quality Coke. This might set me back the whole grand. You don't get no holiday special. Not with Scrumbly Bear. No way. No holiday special, no Christmas spirit. It's about cocaine.
it's about cocaine. I'll take the coke home. I'll, I'll sit and I'll watch The Outer Limits with beans. And then maybe I'll pick up the phone and start randomly dialing numbers of old high school friends. I'm 52 years old. I'll say, hey, baby, how you doing? You want to get some cocaine? I, I have cocaine. In reality, if you donate to my podcast, I'll use that money as traveling money because I don't have much. And it will help me buy food and beer and possibly some legal weed, right? I'm probably not going to get any fucking cocaine. I wouldn't even know where to find it. And, and I don't want to go down to Pioneer Square and talk to Scrumbly Bear. I haven't spoken to him in years. You get down on those streets, and I've been on those streets, you get the mucus on your shoes. The mucus of pain, the mucus that is fecal matter and blood and other kinds of protein that get shot out when people are grumbulating in the alley. When people are confusing their bits and pieces, when people are testing out their outlets in the alley, it all spills over. It forms a residue that covers every part of Pioneer Square. Next topic. But like I said, I do need to raise traveling money. Um, I have a, a, a number of very generous donors, and I don't want to ask any more of them. But if you're out there and you'd like to see me have a, a good time back in Seattle with hookers and coke and glocks and all kinds of shotguns and explosives, and I know where to get the shit, the dynamite, the Semtex, the little military-grade drone to carry it, carry it to its destination. I could have fun with a few grand in Seattle. But you don't have to donate. And, and bear in mind, folks, I'm not starving to death, and I have a backup plan, so it's not really an emergency thing. I don't know. I mean, there's nothing really an emergency about my life. I'm 52 years old, you know? I, I, I am not a person who will tell you I have a huge expectation about the near future. Doesn't mean it's the end of the world, but if you're over 50, I think the next 10 or 20 years are going to be your last. You know, best case scenario. Most likely the next 5 to 10. It's not because the universe is cruel. It's not because God hates you. It's kind of a fact of life. You know, people talk about black swans. Oh, what about a black swan? Oh my God, Taibi, black swan. Yeah. People talk about black swans as these rare 
and by definition, horrible and unpredictable events. But we don't talk about white swans. You know why? Because they tend to be way more fucking unlikely. If you take the 116 billion people that have ever lived, and you take the fraction of the people who were alive between 1945 and, let's say, 2001, over that 55-year period, and you said to yourself, this is the American century, really half-century, and you're going to have it, and it's going to be amazing, and it's going to be, it's just going to be brilliant. It'll, it'll blow up at the end with the internet and downloadable porn, and you're just going to love your existence. But the fact is, and again, we have to preface this by saying, and you're an American, or you're in a developed country. But the fact is, folks, as perfect as those years might have seemed to some people, they probably weren't that perfect, by the way. But also, out of the, let's say, two to 300,000 years of human history, that represents also a tiny little less than 1% slice. That's the reality. You know, I guess you could say 7% of everybody that's ever lived is alive today. But in terms of the, the history, it's a very small percentage of, of human history that we can call amazing Moore's Law progress. Everybody gets the boogaloo, boogaloo. That's a white swan. And no one wants to talk about it because it happened once in human history to our knowledge. It happened recently and it might never fucking happen again. So you can talk about all your fucking black swans you want to. I don't care. But the reality is, folks, what people got used to, that middle-class existence, that the everybody gets a home and a college degree and everybody gets health care, you better get over that shit, because it's over. I don't know what's coming next, but it isn't more the same, brothers and sisters. That show closed down in 2019, and a lot of you joined in multiple psyops because you were too afraid to confront it. So you tortured and you tormented your neighbors. And a lot of you voters with all your bullshit are still doing the same thing. Putin, Ukraine, abortion, Biden. There's a nose ring. You're being pulled by it. Sam Bankman fried the laptop. Oh my God, what about Hunter's laptop? I wonder how many, yeah, you know what? Get over it. But if you want to focus on that bullshit and taunt your neighbors with it, I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, you go and do that, buddy, if it makes you feel better. But don't fucking come back to me and talk to me about the future because you are buried in the fucking past. You still think that white swan world is here. It's gone. Next topic. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this topic in part because it's one of those subjects I've discussed a lot in recent months. Um, because it's news, right? The war in Ukraine. The war in Ukraine. The Ukrainian forces took Kyrgyzstan. And now it looks like, you know, they're going to steal all of Putin's shit. And Putin's launching missiles. And a missile hits Poland. But what the fuck, Poland? You know. Um, I'm not prepared to call it bullshit yet, uh, 
for a lot of reasons, because I just can't verify any parts of the story. When, when BLM and Antifa were doing their stupid fucking government-funded nonsense in Seattle, I could grab a camera up close and take video of that, and I have that video in the archives. Um, it used to be on YouTube until they basically shut me down and pushed me out. But um, I can't do that here. I have no means of going to the Ukraine and verifying any of this story. If I had the funding, I would do it. I would do it just like I would go to the Arctic. I want to know the truth. I don't want somebody to say, my brother's friend's sister, she works for the airlines. And, you know, since she's a flight attendant, she says it's impossible that they could do geoengineering. I don't want to hear from your brother's sister's uncle's butt monkey brother's sister cousin. I don't give a fuck how many family trees intersect in Alabama. I don't. That's your fucking business. I don't fucking care. But if you're going to tell me, and by the way, if you hear a noise right now, that's just the heater coming on. The heater air is going through the air ducts, and it'll start blowing out, and it'll make a kind of a constant background noise. So if you hear a background noise for the next 10 minutes, maybe 5 minutes, that's what it is. It's the heater. Central heating. Um, I need to know for myself when it comes to the Ukraine... And with, with respect to the BLM Antifa race war and the COVID-19 monkey herpes, there was a lot I could verify on my own. But with the Ukraine war, there's almost nothing I can verify. And that applies to the Arctic as well. I mean, the information I've researched about the Arctic, and I mean the Arctic, not the Antarctic, but the information I've researched about it in recent years leads me to believe um that the Arctic itself is rapidly changing. And you could say, well, Dan, that's no big deal. The Arctic is critical to the Earth's climate. Specifically, it's critical to giving us a very nice kind of post-last ice age sort of climate for our societies to be relatively stable. It doesn't mean it was a history of the last 7,000 years without wars and plagues and all kinds of bad shit. But compared to previous history, potentially more stable and better for civilization, if you believe what you're told. Um, but the Arctic, as an air conditioner and a refrigerator for a lot of organic material, it's breaking down. You know, even right-wingers will admit it. Hell, Trump had multiple people in his administration lay out plans for carving up the Arctic. Why? Because, to quote them and their papers, the ice was going to be gone forever. If you think about that and you don't consider what that means, then I believe you're a recklessly stupid person. But I don't really care about these politicians, Republican, Democrat. They're pretty much all shitheads. And any information they give you about climate change or any of these subjects is likely really bad information, probably. Anywho, I can't verify the Ukraine story. And... I wouldn't want to scare you about it anyways. What would be the point of scaring you about the Ukraine? I, I can't verify it. There's no piece of it I can verify. Why would I want to scare you? Okay. But I am close to calling bullshit on it, and I'll tell you why. If the Ukraine war is real, and if 
NATO is really trying to um, bring the Ukraine under its umbrella, and if it's really funding and supporting Zelensky to the extent that it's being reported, and it's not just a money laundering scheme, if that's true, then at some point, Putin and probably, you know, President Xi, Xi of China, at some point, they need to think on this and need to ask themselves, do they want to end up like Gaddafi? Because that's where they're headed. It doesn't matter the rhetoric. It's, it, you know, if you think there's a rule of law in any of this, you're crazy, okay? We, we just ended up capturing another oil field in Syria a week ago. We are illegally occupying and stealing resources from another sovereign country. Fuck you and your rule of law bullshit. This has nothing to do with rule of law. If this is real, this is about empires. And if that's true, and if you understand how crazy empires get at the end, especially really wretched corrupt ones like this one, the petrodollar empire, and I don't mean America, I don't mean Americans, I, I, you know, if we'd chosen to stay a free republic, things might have turned out differently, but they didn't. I mean the empire. And when empires like this collapse, when these types of wretched, whorish empires collapse, crazy fucking shit happens. Like, I don't know, COVID-19 psyops, race war psyops, and never-ending Pez dispensers that contain trauma monkeys. That's what happens towards the end. Another thing that happens towards the end is war. And so if this were real, the best move for Russia, China, or both, and, and I've said this before, I'll say it again, and I'm not scared to say it. Nobody fucking listens to me. But the best move would be a strategic sneak attack with nuclear weapons. You know, some of the nukes to target command and control, some of the nukes to do a swarm EMP attack to knock out civilian systems. Frankly, to, to put the United States into a situation of chaos. They wouldn't invade, they wouldn't do Red Dawn, that's just absurd bullshit. But what they might very well do is just wait for whichever creepy person crawls out of the one or two bunkers they don't nuke and make a deal with them. Because from their perspective, mutual assured destruction promises nothing now. There is no guarantee that the United States government will behave rationally. And even if you believe that mutual assured destruction is why things were stable during the Cold War, understand that the stability of MAD is based upon game theory and specifically something called the prisoner's dilemma and what an optimum move is in that scenario. But it is two-person game theory. When you get into game theory involving players greater than two and strategic relationships greater than two, mutual assured destruction doesn't help you. It doesn't help you prevent a, a nuke war between Pakistan and India. It doesn't help you to prevent a nuke war between Israel and Iran. It doesn't help you anymore because the President of the United States apparently is batshit crazy. There is no mutual assured destruction as a break in the world of nuke war if you believe your opponent is batshit crazy or mentally ill or all of the above. So the reason why I'm close to calling bullshit on the Ukraine war is because 
the most rational move for Putin at this point is to take out the United States government. It is an empire on the verge of collapse. When empires collapse, they do wretchedly stupid shit. This is an old story. It goes back 7,000 years, if you believe what you're told, right? And I don't want a nuke war, brothers and sisters, but that's the kind of the thing about the logic of this. No one, there isn't one nation. In fact, if you've learned anything from the Ukraine war, understand this. Whether it's Russia, China, or the United States, there is not a nation on earth today prepared to conduct what during World War II we would have called total war. And the reason is a bit complicated, but also simple. We don't build weapons like we used to. We don't. There, there's no assembly line that cranks out 10,000 F-35s a month, okay? Those don't exist. Every, almost every one of our modern weapons is a craft weapon. And what was, you know, what's old again is new. This is very much how weapons were made before the Industrial Revolution. This is kind of important to understand. And robots aren't gonna help you. Our weapons have become so sophisticated that most of the manufacturing can be categorized as craft work. You're not going to mass produce any of it. Even the artillery shells, many of those are smart weapons. You're not going to mass produce this stuff. You'll make so much of it and then you'll use it up. And then your only option will be probably a few weeks into World War III, maybe a couple months. Your only option will be nuclear weapons at that point. But the thing is, it's, it's kind of dumb. I mean, from what I can tell, the United States is sending weapons to the Ukraine. A lot of it's inferior, but we're sending weapons to the Ukraine that we don't have any immediate way to replace. You know, sending stingers to the, to the Ukraine, stinger missiles. I was a short-range air defense officer. It's A, very destabilizing, B, very likely to end up in the black market, and C, it's going to come back to bite us. It'll come back to bite us as, you know, um, as backlash, you know. Um, it will come back to bite us as a result of what we've done. But it could also come back to bite us because Stinger missiles are not something you're going to easily mass produce. If you're using up what you have, I hope you have orders in for new ones if you think they're necessary. What I can tell about the Ukraine war so far is it looks very orchestrated and dramatic. And, and there certainly are reported deaths, numbers of people killed that sounds pretty bad, if it's true. If it's true. But I can't verify it, so I wanna move on to the next topic. Another thing I can't verify. Um, I did a podcast in March of 2021 called The Big Space Fuck. Um, that title comes from a Kurt Vonnegut short story, which I read during the podcast. I, I have a link to it in the notes for this podcast, and I uploaded the MP3 to Spotify. Um, one of the reasons why I need to raise money, by the way, separate from getting cocaine, mm. is I need to raise a few hundred bucks to pay for my website, where I keep notes right now. 
If you're not aware, GoDaddy more or less raped me about a year ago, stole all my intellectual property I had on GoDaddy, stole my prepaid fees, and, you know, basically treated me like a piece of shit. And no one's going to... There are no lawyers. I mean, (laughs) no one's going to come out of the woodwork to help a person like me. No, that's never going to happen. Welcome to the real world. People like me, people like you probably, can get raped by a corporation. And in all likelihood, if the cops show up, they're going to arrest you. They're going to beat you. They're not going to do anything against that corporation. That's where we're at in the game. Um, But yeah, I included the link in the notes, and it's on Spotify. Um, Before I go too far into this topic, I just want to say something, and I don't care if you think I'm crazy, because understand I'm 52 years old. And for the last 20 years, I've worked in technology. Maybe not aerospace directly. I've mostly worked in healthcare, but I've worked in technology. And I've met a lot of people with PhDs. So before I get into this, I'm going to tell you what I've told many of them. I do not believe we ever landed a single fucking person on the moon. I can't prove it. But the problem is the proofs that people provide for me, oh, but there's a reflector up there. Yeah, they were bouncing lasers off of the moon's surface before they ever put a reflector up there. So, ding, gone. Well, we have all the pictures. Yeah, we have a lot of crappy pictures, folks. We have a lot of Kubrick shit, but we don't necessarily have anything that's solid. Well, but what about the moon rocks? Well, I believe the Dutch government inspected one of their rocks about 15 years ago and found out it was petrified wood. And then when you ask them, well, what about the missing tapes? Oh, well, that just happens. It happens. Well, well, what about the fact that they don't have a player that plays any? Well, like, yeah, that just happens. What about all the missing, like, blueprints for what we fucking paid for? I mean, you can find blueprints for fighters from World War II. You can find blueprints for aircraft carriers uh, from the Cold War. You can. You can find blueprints for everything, even if they're not public knowledge they exist. So where are all the fucking diagrams of all the things, the lunar lander, the command module, every part of the Saturn V rocket, where are all the diagrams they lost? Because that's the argument they come back with. Well, we didn't go back to the moon. We forgot how we went to the moon. Now we have to rediscover how we're going to go back to the moon. And in 2025, Bo Blimpdock will land people on the moon. Yeah. This is what NASA is saying. In 2025, we will land people on the moon. Well, that's great. I believe that is roughly more than half a century since the last person went to the moon. I was two years old, um, 1972. I was two years old, roughly 50 years ago almost. In December, it'll be 50 years that the last motherfuckers took a trip to the moon, landed on the moon, played golf, you know, and then, you know, spent a couple days there, I think, you know. And then came back home from the moon. I don't believe it ever happened. Okay? If you want to call me crazy, I don't give a fuck. So far, the evidence 
for humans going to the moon is pretty fucking weak. Now, of course, there's the rhetoric, oh, you don't believe in America. I believe in the United States of America to the following extent. I believe in the people of this country. I don't give a rat's ass about your fucking government. I don't. I think it's let you down. If you care about freedom, your government has fucked you. And it's not recent. If you want to say, well, it's because of the Democrats. No, buddy. This story goes back right to the fucking beginning. And it may not have been you in the crosshairs or your people at the beginning. But believe me, right from the beginning, right from 1780 fucking 8, those crosshairs were there. And they were always going to target you eventually. They had to kill a lot of Seminole Indians first. They had to move a lot of Cherokee. They had to do a few mass graves of, you know, natives. And they had to make sure they resolved that slavery thing with the right amount of racism. And of course, there's a civil war. Eventually, after they got done mistreating everyone, including Southerners, they were going to turn their sights on you, you know, good middle-class American living in suburbia taking the train to your job, you were always going to be the last target. Like I said in the previous podcast, Rome will starve last. And if you're a good, nice, middle-class, white American, you were always going to be the last one to get fucked. I'm sorry. No one told you this. I'm sorry you didn't understand your own fucking history, but you were going to get nailed. That's how it was always going to be. So if you want to come back to me with all this, well, you don't care about America. Listen, I don't believe you even know, know what those words mean. What I do care about is living in a free country. And I don't give a fuck about any of your rhetoric. Give me a free country and fuck off. There's your quote from Dr. Freckles. So no, I don't believe between 1968 when we sent the first orbital mission, which again, they're saying they're going to have humans orbit the moon in 2024. I don't believe that ever happened. I don't believe any of the Apollo mission bullshit. I think Apollo 13 was a movie before it was a movie. And if you want to call me crazy in an email, I also don't give a fuck. I don't. All right? At this point in time, your techno rhetoric doesn't work on me. Um... In the 90s, we, we were fed a steady stream of techno rhetoric. Oh, we'll have fusion in five years. We'll go to Mars in a couple, a couple years. And why? Because the, the latest version of leverage technology, miniaturization, was paying off. The microchip was paying off. The internet was paying off. And therefore, everything must be like the internet, right? You know? Moore's Law told us these CPUs are going to keep getting faster at a non-linear rate. <laughs> I, I think that one flattened out recently a bit. But we got the quantum computers. Yeah, I know. You keep talking about these quantum computers as if they're a thing. So no, I don't think we ever landed on the moon. Here's the deal. If you believe what you're told... Roughly 600 people, okay? I didn't say 600,000. I didn't say 600 million. Roughly 600 people, that's less than 1,000 people, have ever been to space. I don't care how many times each one went. In terms of the unique set of people that have been to space, that number is way less than 1,000. According 
to the experts, right? And we're supposed to believe them because of the monkey herpes. According to the experts, 116 billion people have lived, which means they were born and they died. Since the beginning of humans, roughly a couple hundred thousand years ago, 116 billion people have ever lived. So out of 116 billion, that relative frequency of 600 is a real small slice, okay? It's more or less, and I'll read you, it's basically 5.17 times 10 to the negative 9, which means it more or less... If you think in mathematical terms, like what does the universe allow, you would be a reasonable person to say that that's probably something that never fucking happened. And even if you just take the current population of 8 billion, and you take the 600, and you divide out of 8 billion, you're only going to take a few, you know, zeros off that. But it's still going to be a really, really small number. A very, very small fraction of what we call reality. Okay, so if, if your position is, well, space is real, fine. But my position is, until I can prove it for myself, I'm going to say, okay, maybe. It's interesting, it's fun to think about starships and battleships and battle beyond the stars and Luke Skywalker. It's fun to think about laser cannons and photon torpedoes. It's fun. But the fact is, less than a thousand people have ever been to space. And space became a thing when the Russians sent the first cosmonaut up there. Back in what? The late 50s? 57, 58, just after Sputnik? Space was a thing, a place you could go to. Well, that was what? 70 plus fucking years ago? Okay, it'll be a century soon since the first person went, you know, went to space. Yeah, it's still a couple decades away, but in a couple decades, it'll be a century uh, since the first person went to space. And in that time, less than a thousand people have gotten the same chance. A reasonable person could say to themselves that something that rarely ever happens according to the data, and seems absurd and impossible, might actually be impossible. That's a quote from Dr. Freckles. I'm not saying space isn't real. I'm saying a reasonable person could say what we've been told about space might be bullshit. And I don't care if you want to call me a flat earther. We could live on a spear in the middle of some type of manufactured universe and everything we're seeing could be simulated. We could live on a spear, absolutely. That doesn't make space what we, you know, that doesn't make outer space anything what we've been told. It doesn't mean there's a moon you can land on. It doesn't mean there's a Mars you can visit. You could be living on a spear and everything outside of it could still be bullshit. I'm so sorry no one ever fucking told you that. But Dan, that would be impossible. Listen. We're being fed a steady stream of techno bullshit to include the multiverse. So before you tell me about things that can and can't happen, check your fucking self, okay? You know, it's funny. In 2016, just after I met the Goat King, just after I had all my savings and my financial life and, frankly, my existential life ruined, I was on Twitter before they permanently banned me, and I was commenting on 
you know, the Apollo missions. And out of nowhere, I got this fucking troll. This troll shows up and says, I knew people in the space program. I knew people that went to space. I can verify because I met these people that they went to space. What's funny is the same motherfucker was involved in space projects or space business that ended up being crushed by the government if you believe what he says. And if you research articles, you can read articles about people going to jail and people getting arrested because somebody wants to allow ordinary people to go to space. So I, I don't want to get into all the contradictions. I didn't know any of this in September of 2016. I know a lot more now. Um, it's interesting the same person, and it's not just this one person, but it's interesting that the same person also talked up cryptocurrency. And, you know, it's kind of the same sort of magical bullshit. It's exciting, and it's fantastic, and it's futuristic, and probably it's just not ever going to fucking work. That's how I feel about space. So ask me how I feel about the moon. I don't know if anyone has ever visited the moon. I simply don't fucking believe it. If you want to believe we have that, you know, we landed some rinky-dink, piece-of-shit-looking lunar excursion module on the moon and lived in really the harshest environment ever imagined that a human could live in for a couple days in 19-fucking-72 and then we never went back again for some reason that only an asshole can believe, you can. If you want to believe the government that forgets how to go to the moon would ever send people there without them dying. Fine. I don't know how you keep these ideas in your fucking head without going crazy. I don't. You know, a government incompetent enough to lose all the evidence they had on Earth that they ever went to the fucking moon, it seems unlikely they would send people there safely, that the people would ever fucking return. Okay? To me, it seems... And if you're a libertarian or an anarchist, or a voluntarist, and you talk up NASA, ding, 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 I got problems with you, buddy, okay? NASA was more or less formed from a cadre of Satanists and Nazis, and that's not an exaggeration. So if you, as an anarchist or libertarian, is going to tell me how much you love NASA, go fuck yourself, buddy. The only institution worse than the CIA, from my perspective, or the NSA, is NASA, fuck you. Like I said, I uploaded the podcast from March of 2021, The Big Space Fuck. I read the Kurt Vonnegut story in it. It's up to you if you want to listen to it. Um, if you want to send me an angry email about space and tell me about your cousin that went to space or that you met a guy that went to space, fine. I don't care. If you're going to tell me, well, I'm going to take the Blue Horizon shot. Let me, let me talk about um, Blue Horizon or Amazon or the never-ending silliness around Virgin Galactic. Um, here's what I'll tell you. Officially, in some official way, when Shepard, in 1961, took the Mercury rocket up to roughly 60 miles above the Earth, they considered him to have entered space, okay? It wasn't orbital space. It was a suborbital launch, which means he followed a ballistic arc, like a big cannon, in fact, one way of thinking about a chemical rocket is kind of like a cannon in reverse. Instead of firing a projectile out of the cannon, 
You give the projectile the fire. You give it the force. So essentially, imagine a cannon that just keeps firing. And, and the cannon and the fire just goes away. That's a rocket. That's a chemical rocket. And that's how most of the space bullshit is done. Shepard's ballistic path in 1961 was considered a trip to space. Folks, I have no doubt that you could go up 60 miles. I have no doubt that we've sent lighter than aircraft to the edge of what some people want to call fucking space. I don't care. I have no doubt about it. There's a big difference between being hurled 60 miles up and traveling a quarter of a million miles to a nearby planetoid and landing people on it in the burning sun where there's no type of you know thermal exchange. You're simply going to heat up. Um, there's a big difference between that 60 miles up and a quarter of a million miles. I can believe that a person could pay money to take the Blue Horizon. I'm not sure what they're going to be allowed to see. That's going to be fun. But I, I, could, I could believe that they could take the Blue Horizon up and look at a tiny porthole with, with a curved lens surface and see the, the curve of the Earth and say, oh my God, it's an orb. I have no doubt. And I also, you know, I don't doubt that the Earth could be a spear. I don't really give a fuck, honestly. I'm cosmologically agnostic, as I've said in the past. You know, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Lord in heaven. If the Lord in heaven wanted the universe to be a certain way, I don't know how to put this, that's how it would be. And as far as the Bible is concerned, there's a lot of sketchy stuff in the Old Testament and the New Testament that would lead you to believe contradictory things. I don't think there's anything in the Bible that would definitively say the earth is flat, the earth is a spear, the universe is a simulation. I should have been born in Missouri. Show me, okay? If you want me to believe in space, take me up in a spaceship. Don't tell me how you forgot how to fucking do it. Just take me up, okay? If you're going to come back and say, well, we found this magical place and it's out there, and we're looking for your investment dollars, but in the case of the government, they just steal your money. And, you know, it's amazing and it's out there, but less than a thousand people have been there. And the likelihood that you're ever going to get to go there is probably way less than 1%. Um, would you like to give us some money? And, and if, if some idiot told me about a magical island in the Pacific where I would pay to let a few elite people visit it, you know, maybe every other day, but I would never get to go there. I, I wouldn't invest in that. That seems like a really poor grifter investment. Why the fuck would I want to invest in NASA? Okay, the, the goal of transportation, uh, I would say space travel, the goal they fed us my whole fucking life, including in pop culture, was to get a lot of people into space. And if your argument is, well, damn, space is dangerous, Hold my fucking beard, dickhead. If you were traveling across the Atlantic in the 15th or 16th century, I don't know how to put this, that was really fucking dangerous. And a, a very large percentage of people that went to sea back in the 15th, 16th, and 17th century never came back home. Huge percentage. Much larger than what we've lost during the, the space races. So I just want you to back up, buddy. If you want to tell me space is dangerous, I don't know how to put it. Exploration has always been really fucking dangerous. I don't care if you want to explore the Arctic, which 
It's, it's sketchier now because there's not a lot of step on up there. Or you want to go to Antarctica. I don't care where you want to go. Exploring this world has always been dangerous. So to me, it's a bogus argument. Well, it's dangerous. So until somebody can explain to me why it is in 2022, less than a thousand people have ever been to fucking space. Until somebody can explain that to me, I don't think I'm going to buy it. But I also think it's funny. 2024, 2025. What did I say, brothers and sisters? The psyops they're using are being designed to manage what looks like a fuzzy event, which means it's not an event that happens on a specific date. The best you could ever do, if you had the best data ever, is maybe guess a time window and say there is nearly a 100% chance starting on December the 1st, 2019, through whatever date in 2024, um, there's a 100% chance that the big whatever is going to happen. I don't know what it is. You don't know what it is. But in my view, when they say stupid shit like, we're going to send humans to orbit the moon in 2024, in my view, that kind of means, yeah, ding, ding, ding. Whatever the fuck is about to happen is definitely going to happen before 2024, Bo Blimtok. That's a guess. We'll see. And if you want to go to space, buddy, I don't, I'm not upset. You go there, buddy. You build your space rocket and your space technology. You get a bunch of people to invest in it. And if you make it to space and you can take me with you, buddy, not just send me pictures of videos, but take me up there, pal. Show me your outer space. Show me your Martian hookers. Show me your green women. Show me your moon cocaine. go to the moon. I'll travel to Mars. I'm a 52-year-old man. If you tell me you're going to get some radiation, I'm not having any kids anytime soon. And as far as radiation and cancer goes, I think, yeah, my family is full paid up, um, so to speak. We're good to go. We got all the cancer we need. So yeah, send me to fucking space. But the truth is that's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's not because it's too dangerous. It's not because you're not special. It's because technically, mathematically, it's probably not a thing. It doesn't matter if you live on a spear or a flat earth. I don't give a fuck. You could live on a cube, but the fact is you're probably never getting more than 60 miles off of it. Maybe. 60. That, that looks like the magic number, roughly 60 to 70 miles. Maybe you can do a bigger arc and go up further. But I'm not even convinced that you can orbit the Earth, okay? I'm just not. The, the evidence for all of it looks really scant, and it looks dumb. It looks stupid. It looks ridiculous. Because they want you to believe a couple things. They want you to believe in the magical, super technological, progressive reality that has been going on like a machine since the end of World War II. They want you to believe that. But then they also want you to believe that they forgot how to do shit that they themselves believed was the biggest thing in history. How the fuck does that happen? You know, maybe you lose a, a, a few blueprints. Maybe you lose a few tapes. But how the fuck do you forget how you did it? 
Next topic. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Many of the great people have very short-term memories, Dr. Freckles. What do I mean by this? Um, well, in the quote, great people is in sarcastic quotes. And the title of this segment is The Sociopathy of Short-Term Memory. Here's something I've learned about a lot of people in my life. Number one, Dr. Elizabeth Loftus of the University of Washington is probably correct. Human memory is not just fallible, it's never going to be perfect. And as we remember the past, we probably do distort it. Okay, so we should stay away from qualitative things in the context of understanding the truth. Like qualitative truth with memory, it is subjective and therefore impossible to determine. You could read a person's memoir, you can read a letter from the Civil War, but you can never really know for certain if they aren't still lying to themselves. So what are you really getting from that? Who knows? I don't know. What I have learned, though, in the limited lifespan memory of history and life and whatnot, is a lot of people that think they're great, that think they're amazing, have really short-term memories. They, they have this ability, and I don't have it. I, I wish I did. But they have this ability to forget all their fucking mistakes. They have this ability to forget all the harm they've done to other people. They have this ability to forget all the shitty stuff they've told people and all the shitty deals they've made. And if they've had a few successes, that's their whole history. You don't know about the garbage. You don't know about the human debris. You don't know about the failure. You just know about, you know, how great they are and amazing they are. Um, a lot of people I've met who I consider sociopaths or psychopaths, whatever term you want, you know, narcissistic sociopath. I don't give a fuck. A lot of these creepy fucks I've met, they don't remember anything from their failures. And if you bring them up, it only makes them angry. In fact, sometimes they'll say, well, you don't have a right to bring that up. Well, you know what, buddy? If you're going to quote me your CV, if you're going to quote me your fucking resume and tell me how fucking amazing you are before you try to grift me out of money or time, then I, I think I have a right to remember your fucking failures. I think I have a right to remember any harm you've done to other people. I think that is my right simply as a rational person who wants to avoid being taken advantage of. And this applies to these famous sociopaths like Elon Musk, for example. I don't know why any of you fuckers at all would buy into his bullshit. It's like buying Twitter. To me, buying Twitter is exactly like the Hunter Biden laptop and going to the moon in 2024, okay? It's more bullshit to keep people confused. But here's the deal, folks. About 45 minutes after I tried to create a new Twitter account a couple weeks ago, it was locked down. 45 minutes, less than an hour, on Elon Musk's brand new platform for free speech. Yeah. Yeah, many of the great people, quote unquote, have very short-term memories. I think every and and frankly, for public figures like Elon Musk, their adherents, members of their their cult of personality, have short-term memories too. And and that applies to the crypto world especially. The crypto people are excellent 
at outlining the few things about that wretched scheme that can that you know can make you money. I mean, certainly, if you got in on the bottom of Bitcoin back in 2009 or 2010, you read the Satoshi paper, you got in at the bottom, you produced a few of the first coins, and you hodled, 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 and you avoided any of the third-party schemes that actually make it work, you might have a lot of money, which means, technically speaking, if, if all you care about is a return on investment, you made a lot of money. That was a big, big thing for you. Um, but the reality is for any of the success stories of crypto, I've seen way more examples of failure and confusion. But the crypto people only remember their successes. If you read Bitcoin Magazine, you know, it's obvious from the title, you're not going to hear about any failure. You're going to hear about successes, and if there are failures, if there are crooks, it had nothing to do with crypto. Crypto wasn't connected to it at all. Not at all. Not at all. Next topic, right? This is an article from Zero Hedge. It was published yesterday on November the 15th, 2022, Bo Blimpdoc. Headline... HelloFresh accused of using monkey labor to obtain coconut milk. Meal kit delivery service HelloFresh has been accused of using monkey labor to obtain coconut milk in Thailand, according to allegations from the people for the ethical treatment of animals. That's PETA to you and me, baby. And they have called for a boycott of the company. According to a Monday report detailing findings of a PETA investigation into 57 operations across nine Thai provinces, monkeys are chained, whipped, beaten, forced to spend long hours picking coconuts, CBS News reports. Monkeys are chained around the neck and forced to toil day in and day out, all for HelloFresh and other companies that lack a conscience, said PETA Executive VP Tracy Ryman, or Riemann, in an email statement to CBS. PETA's calling on everyone, including HelloFresh, to stop buying canned coconut milk from Thailand until monkeys are no longer used and abused for profit. HelloFresh told CBS Money Watch that the company receives written assurances from suppliers that monkey labor is used to procure yeah that monkey that monkey labor isn't used to procure coconuts. HelloFresh strictly condemns any use of monkey labor in its supply chain, and we take a hard position of not procuring from suppliers or selling coconut products which have been found to use monkey labor. We have written confirmation from all our suppliers in the U.S. and globally that they do not engage in these practices. Brokers to HelloFresh's coconut milk suppliers showed PETA the monkeys who were chained on trash-strewn patches of dirt and flooded areas with car tires as their only shelter, according to the Animal Rights Group, which published photos from its investigation as well as video footage. Uh, 
Most of the monkeys were, are kidnapped from their families in nature, even though the species exploited by the coconut trade are threatened or endangered, according to the Animal Welfare Group and CBS News. Based in Berlin, Germany, HelloFresh operates in Australia, Austria, Belgium, Canada, France, Germany, Ireland, Italy, Japan, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, Sweden, Switzerland, the UK, and the US, and had 7.5 million active customers buying monkey meat and monkey coconut oil and monkey paste and pox and herpes. 7.5 million active customers in the third quarter of 2022, Bo Blimp Doc. When I was in the Army more than 20 years ago, I would joke with some officers that I wanted to basically build a division um, alongside the 82nd Air Airborne Division, uh, you know, at Fort Benning, Georgia, right? Yeah. And I I'm not even going to get into the whole airborne versus air assault. Things have become so woke and broke in the military that people don't know the difference between a fucking parachute or a helicopter any longer. Fuck you. Needless to say, when I, when I you know, got done with airborne school and I was hanging out with some officers at Fort Benning, I was joking. I, I said, you know what we should do? We should raise a, a ten or a 20,000 cadre division of, of gorillas. Not G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A-S. I mean gorillas. G-O-R-I-L-L-A-S. I mean the furry ape. The ape from Africa, the gentle giant, will train the gentleness out of that fucker. You take the gorillas, you raise them, you put a dead man switch connector on them, connected to their heart. So if they die, whatever the switch is connected to either gets turned on or turned off, if you know what I mean. And then when they're ready for combat, you load them onto a C-130, baby. You, you put in their backpack about 20 pounds of Semtex, you attach that to the dead man switch. So even if once this airborne gorilla hits the ground, you manage to kill him, yeah, you're going to have another thing coming because that 20 pounds of Semtex is wrapped in broken glass and ball bearings and bits and pieces of crap you find inside the landfill. Can you imagine being the jump master for a C-130 filled with those kinds of gorillas? And on top of it, they have a, a leather suit. A leather suit with, with metal pokers and knives sticking out of the suit, man. They're all sharp and deadly. So if the gorilla gives you a hug, you become impaled on it like it's an Iron Maiden. You also give them some armor. You get, you, you, you know, you increase their survival.
And some of these gorillas can carry auto cannons that are drone controlled by workers someplace else so that the person actually firing the cannon isn't the gorilla. I mean, when you think about it, you could drop these gorillas onto a city in an enemy nation, like drop them onto Moscow. Drop 20,000 gorillas, as defined by Dan, onto Moscow. You take Moscow out, you take it out in a day. People be running scared. A couple of them shoot at the gorilla. They kill one. They, they see the massive blast and death. No, no, no. The, the gorillas will rule Moscow within a couple days and it's over. Now, of course, I'm joking, right? Because you shouldn't, like, torture primates, intelligent creatures like ourselves. You shouldn't torture them and train them to be killers. Um, at the time, I was joking. And in retrospect, you know, I'm glad. But, I mean, ultimately, I was joking. I think about Little Boomer, the Sharpay, that the family here rescued, uh, the place where I ran a room. And... This is a little dog that was tortured and beaten and starved and they painted him and they did everything they could to train him to be the meanest little dog that figured no human being ever gave a shit. So when I, when I talk about these gorillas, I'm not serious, A, and B, it's from a different part of my life, a part of my life where I held opinions about living things other than myself that I don't hold any longer. Doesn't mean I'm a vegan or vegetarian. No, I... I know humans are pack hunters. There goes the heater again. No, I know humans are pack hunters. I'm not a vegan. I'm not a vegetarian. But I'm also not a fan of cruelty. Um, so no, I don't think we should have monkeys harvesting coconut milk. Mainly because, I mean, think about it. It, it. This applies to anybody that has a disability where it's difficult for them to navigate the world. And it doesn't even mean they suffer from some sort of mental deficiency. They might just suffer from some form of autism. So they might be very smart, but they also might not be street smart. This applies to anybody who suffers from dementia or Alzheimer's being victimized by scam artists. There are people in our society that we should look out for. And this isn't something you need a government for. You don't need cops for this. You don't need lawyers for this. You just have to have a fucking conscience. You just have to care. Like my friends, you know, that I rent a room from. You have to care enough to say, that dog shouldn't be tortured to the point of almost death so that it's going to be the meanest dog in the world. Maybe we can save that dog. Maybe we can stand up for these monkeys. I'm not a fan of PETA because, frankly, they're another one of these quote-unquote NGOs that I think represents the government, ultimately. They're not independent in any way, shape, or form. It's a pretense. You know, after the investigations into the CIA in the 1970s, the CIA took most of its stuff deeper underground. And a lot of their operations they used to do, you know, more or less at Langley, all of it became an NGO. So I don't know what PETA is. I'm not interested in PETA. Fuck PETA. What I am telling you is it's wrong to use these creatures because they don't know what they're doing it for or why. They want to live in the woods, and if they're going to have coconuts, they want it for themselves. You know, I used to joke about getting orangutans addicted to cigarettes. You get a bunch of orangutans addicted to cigarettes, and then you have them work in factories so they can buy cigarettes. I didn't mean it seriously, and I don't think it's a great idea. But in retrospect, it also falls into the category of 
objectifying creatures for the purpose of using them without thinking about the consequences. Um, would I have ever done that? I mean, guys, get real. You know, if I was like Frank Reynolds from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, yeah, I could see training orangutans and getting them addicted to cigarettes to do what? To make shoes or something. But, um, no, you shouldn't do it. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this topic. You know, animal cruelty indicates a lot of things are wrong. It doesn't always indicate that a person's a sociopath, but it does indicate that there's something going on. When kids are cruel to animals, sometimes it means somebody's being cruel to that kid. When, when kids are being visibly cruel. I don't mean the dude that goes off into the woods secretly and sacrifices cats. That's probably a future serial killer. But if a kid is mean to an animal in public, that is often a way for a kid... <laughs> that's often the only voice the child has to say, I am being abused. You know, I, I found this to be true of people that, you know, publicly harm animals. I found this to be true of people that become bullies. If you, if you look deep enough, you'll find somebody is torturing that person. Someone is abusing that person, usually a parent, sometimes a sibling. Abuse rolls downhill, brothers, just like shit, brothers and sisters. And ultimately, if that abuse is rolling downhill and a kid, boy or girl, doesn't have any other outlet, um, harming themselves and harming animals and becoming bullies is something that can happen. So there's my speech on using monkeys to harvest coconut milk. It, it may seem funny, and in a way it does, but it's pretty fucking terrible. And, and it does show you where we're at in the game. And I gotta say, folks, if this is where we're at in the game, you know, be careful at this point in human history to look up to the sky without irony and say, Lord, give me what I deserve. Be careful in 2022 in an unironic way to look at the sky and say, Lord, give me what I deserve. I would be really careful as a human in 2023 to look at the sky and say, Lord, give me what I deserve. Next topic, we've talked about, you know, exploiting other primates for labor enough. I think we can move on. I have a link to an article um, about a train derailment in Australia. I don't think I'm going to read the article. Once again, it's from Zero Hedge. If you want to know why pretty much all my links come from Zero Hedge, mostly, it's because pretty much mostly I think the news at this point is garbage, all of it. It's not that it's a little bad, it's mostly bad, and mostly designed to make people angry. And it could even be true. I mean, some of the stuff they're, they're 
letting out there probably is true. The, the Hunter Biden stuff is probably true, but it doesn't mean any of it gets resolved. I'm old enough to remember the Clinton trauma drama going back to the 1990s, and none of it ever, ever, ever gets resolved. None of these creepy people ever pay, okay? The Bushes, the Clintons, I don't give a fuck. The Cheneys, they never pay. So, so I think a lot of these stories are simply designed to piss people off. It's like the Sam Bankman-Fried story. The story of FTX. The story of Alameda. And, you know, you see those little emo freaks, you know, Sam and Carolyn, and you think to yourself, like, what did they do on a hot Friday night in high school? You know, they studied calculus, right? You look at them and you say to yourself, what's their purpose? Their purpose is simple. Their purpose is very similar to little Greta Thunberg's, Thunberg's purpose. It's to piss you off. It's to confuse you. It's to make you angry. Okay? There is going to be no resolution. I don't know if little Sam will go to jail. I don't know if little Carolyn will find her lesbian lover at the pen. But even if they do go to jail, I find it highly unlikely they're going to serve much time. But I don't think they're going to go to jail. I don't think they're going to serve time. That's not the part of the story we're at. This is not the beginning of empire. This is not the beginning of the republic. We're way past that. This is the end of the story. And so, no, I don't think they're going to be spending time in jail. But what I do think is they serve once again as a great fucking trauma monkey to piss people off, to confuse them. So, before I talk about this article, I just want to mention that. This article talks about a train derailing in Australia. I would think trains derail often. So there's a part of me that wonders, how is this news? But the way it's described, the derailment is so bad that it's more or less disrupting the supply chains in Australia. That would be bad, because you know, the supply chain is how you get your food, it's how you get your TV sets, it's how you get your beer and whiskey, and you know, sideshow cocaine. But I also said, you know, like I said, it's a food. So if you're not able to get food, that's bad. You know, people start to starve. So I don't know what the truth of the story is. But I can express the thought that even if it's true, it might just have the purpose of just freaking people out and maybe isn't really useful information. If it is a true story, it could potentially fit into the category of stuff is falling apart. Folks, when complex systems fall apart, and I've given this speech before, but when a complex system falls apart, it does so in discontinuous, unpredictable, and non-linear ways. So when it begins to happen, it can be a derailment here, it can be a food processing plant there, eventually it's a boiling water reactor someplace else. When stuff starts to fall apart, it only gets worse. Fukushima is a good example, actually. Fukushima happened in 2011. And at the time, actually both Fukushima and Deep Horizon, which happened in 2010, are good examples. We are at the point where we are confronting problems. Um, that are really problems we've created that we can no longer fix. They're just things that we have to deal with. Fukushima cannot be fixed. The damage it has done to the Pacific Ocean um, and its deep ecosystem, that's never going to be fixed. In fact, who knows why all those snow crabs disappeared, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's connect, you know, connected to Fukushima. 
they have been dumping radioactive waste from Fukushima into the Pacific since 2011. Highly radioactive water. You can pretend it all just distributes and it's all okay, but that might not be true. It, it might fit into the same category of why do we put so much garbage into the oceans? And again, you know, oh my God, Dan, you care about garbage in the oceans? No, buddy. I care about being able to survive. Okay? This isn't Eden. If you're a Christian who believes we can dump shit in the ocean forever, you, you haven't read your Bible, buddy. You're not in Eden. In this place, this place we live in, this place, planet, Bo Blimp Talk, there are fucking consequences. You can't just do that. You can't do what we've been doing with Fukushima. Fukushima might very well be a perfect example of a problem created by us that we cannot fix. As complex systems fall apart, you start to encounter more things like that. More things that you can't fix. There's just not enough tape to patch up the bouncy castle. Okay, you can run that engine full speed, you can run that fan full blast, you can blow as much air as you want to in that, into that fucking bouncy castle. But there's not enough tape, there's not enough time. And when it starts to fail, even a simple system, like a bouncy castle, is going to fail in unpredictable ways. Next topic. If you want to read about that derailment, that's up to you. I don't know how true that story is. I have more or less confirmed that the news we're getting out of Australia since 2020 is a lot of bullshit. I, I, I've come to understand a lot of it, especially the COVID-19 horror stories, might have been mostly bullshit. I cannot confirm that, confirm that 100%, but I have firsthand connections to people who basically said that a lot of the stories about Australia that were being played in the press the last couple of years are probably 100% crap. So I have no idea if this train story is true. You should do your own research and believe whatever shit you want to believe and donate money for my cocaine fund. There, there are many mysteries in Utah. I mean, Utah is, is a, a magical, file-shaped, folder-shaped icon of a state. And inside that folder that we call Utah, there are a lot of secrets. There are the lost tribes that we'll never know. We know of the Ute, the Ute people, but do we know of all the lost tribes that have been ground to dust in Utah? Do you know the stone trading and the trading of flint? Flint that has radiological signatures that trace back to Utah, but you find this flint in Greece, in various parts of the eastern Mediterranean where the Phoenician people used to live.
There's mysteries here. Utah is a place of mysteries, a place of adventures in the high peaks. You can chase the mountain crab. You can chase the wolf eagle. You can chase the chutney bears. They wander through the Scriegel pasture. They live near the stream. They drink the moist oil. Imagine you find yourself in the part of Utah I live in, Roosevelt, Utah, and you, and you end up running into this nut, this guy named Nathan, some old freak, okay, some old drunk, okay, and he tells you about this Mormon gold up there, someplace in the Uinta Mountains. He lives off a of main street in an old trailer, and he tells you, I'll give you a map to Brigham Young's lost gold if you buy me a pack of cigarettes, and you buy that nasty bum some cigs, you do because you're a fuck. I met Nathan. I met that motherfucker. I walked with the bum back to his trailer, after I got him some cigarettes at Chevron. He started telling me about his ex-wife and her pimp boyfriend and her hooker crabs. It was sad. All I wanted was the gold. You know, the gold is guarded by the Wookiee people and the Indians and the skinwalkers and aliens. That gold is special. No one gets it. Unless they want death, the creepy old drunk left me with these prescient words and morbid thoughts. That old hobo said I needed to start here in Roosevelt for some wicked and sublime reason that he wouldn't even describe for fear of being possessed by the skinwalker demons at City Hall. Uh, the whole government of Roosevelt, Duchesne, Vernal, all fucking skinwalkers, all of them, but I was undeterred by that nasty drunk. I packed up the necessary items into my backpack and loaded up my truck. The following was a recommended packing list. Some of this came from the old drunk. Number one, 12 gauge, semi-auto, seven and one Mossberg tactical shotgun. Number two, 200 rounds of buckshot and 200 rounds of Sabo slug ammo for the shotgun. Number three, we're going to need 12 days of food, rice, turmeric, onions and eggs, potatoes, and scroblin protein. We'll need monctus oil, monctus oil from Hooker Avenue in Salt Lake City. Yeah, monctus oil from the hookers that live in Salt Lake City. Number five, we're going to need proper hiking shoes with crampons available for rock climbing and descending into mysterious caves. We're going to need rope. Number seven, you're going to need to take a hooker girlfriend with you. You lie to her and you say you'll pay 1200 bucks a night for mongo sex. Instead, you were taking her up there for other reasons. Number eight, all the equipment the hooker girlfriend needs 
Number nine, three cases of whiskey, buddy. Number ten, nine cases of cheap Mexican beer. Number eleven, twenty-three boxes of Camel cigarettes. Number twelve, a portable espresso machine with the espresso beans with biscotti. Number thirteen. Number thirteen, you're gonna need cocaine. A lot of fucking cocaine. Number fourteen on the packing list, LSD and shrooms. Number fifteen, a tent and a bed and maybe some condoms. Number sixteen, a portable shortwave transceiver with antenna system and power pack for emergency contacts and ordering more cocaine. Number 17, yeah, I've got it all right there, man. I repeated the 12-gauge bullshit. I went to Vernal to pick up a hooker named Sheila. And then made my way to the first waypoint on the journey. You went to Canyon Road and you went to River as it flows down from them there mountains. That river has a story. Every rock has a tale. Every piece of driftwood will take you backwards in time. If you could read the stone, if you could read the river, it would tell you a story of people running. It would tell you a story of buffalo. It would tell you a story of Wookie Woe. The Sasquatch people chased by the Mormons up into the hills to never return until the day comes. I thought we were heading to Salt Lake City. Sheila commented as we parked the truck and hit the trails. We loaded up a cart to carry extra equipment and Sheila wore a harness to pull the cart. Sheila was strung out on meth and heroin so I needed to give her some cocaine as a reward for her labor about every two miles of the hike. Nearing the next waypoint, a saddle off of Mount Emmons near the peak. Sheila spotted a hot spring. The woods were deserted, and it was late autumn. The streets had been hard on Sheila, but she was comely and had nice boobs. She took the straps off of the cart and left it by the trail. I simply stood there and watched. Sheila went down to the hot spring. She began taking off her clothes. She pulled glimpsed oil from her backpack and began rubbing her ample orbs and caressing her bubula. She did this for 30 minutes. I sat nearby. I drank whiskey. 
smoked a cigarette, took some pictures. We got back on the trail, and after 45 more minutes of hiking, we found a nice spot to set up camp. We set up our tents and laid out our sleeping bags. We made musket meat and grumble stew by the fire. We cooked Cajun-style beast bread, and then the heavy, the heavy petting began, the kissing and the caressing and the squeezing. She demanded I use tent, tent spikes. She demanded, Sheila demanded, I use tent spikes and 550 cord. I demanded she shut up. I wasn't interested in her opinion. The next morning, we woke with the crack of dawn, orange light breaking through the tent and illuminating Sheila's half-naked body, her torso and head sticking out of the sleeping bag, her breasts firm her, and, and, and supple, her nipples hard and protruding. I woke up and my man tube was ready for action, so we spent some more time in that tent that morning playing little games, lathering each other in love greases and spunk flesh. At around noon, we were back on the trail. We needed to make our way to a spot near King's Peak. But the hike would be over broken country and the cart would be harder to pull. Sheila was smiling and seemed like she'd forgotten. She'd forgotten she was a hooker. Just a week ago, she was a hooker. Servicing some elders from Park City, she was seeing something new, something fresh. She'd lived in Utah her whole life and never spent any time in the mountains camping. She could pretend she was a different person. And for Sheila, this was liberating. As we walked down the trail, we came across an abandoned cabin near Lake Atwood. And that's where we decided, you know, to cache some of our gear, the extra water, some other emergency equipment, plus the cart. For the next leg of the journey, we would only take essentials, one tent, one extra large sleeping bag, condoms, sexual oils, food, high altitude breathing equipment, rock climbing gear, and of course, uh, two bottles of whiskey, and all the cocaine. We were able to make camp on the side of King's Peak, and I planned out our next leg. We were getting close to that place where the great riches will be, will be made plain. I didn't know if that old drunk was crazy, but I knew I wanted to believe the story. At the campsite that night, Sheila and I ungrubulated ourselves in the woods, wandering the nearby brush naked making love like the wolf, ego, wolf eagles and the coyote bears, you know, making love animal style in the woods. We fell asleep in each other's arms in that cold weather sleeping bag near the fire. We woke a few times early in the morning to the noise of Wookiees and other engine spirits approaching our campsite. 
Sheila heard the noises and clung to me. Her naked body pressed up against mine. I had the shotgun in arm's reach, so I was ready for action. Yes, indeed, I was ready for action. The next day, we made an early start. I brought some eggs with me and was saving them for that morning. I made a scramble of eggs, potatoes, and bacon. We mixed the last remaining whiskey into our coffee. We rested by the fire, pondering, you know, what was to come. My mom, my mom, she read palms. What? My mother, she was a Mexican gypsy, and she would read your palms and use tarot cards and make predictions using tea leaves. So what? I feel like something bad's gonna happen. Nah, we're a day away from being rich, baby. Sheila shook her head, smiled, and flipped me off. We were heading to our next stop, a couple lakes near Red Castle. The ground was rocky and the air was filled with geoengineering gumptus and flavor crystals. The Wookiees howled as the skyhawks and the border bees screamed. A blizzard was closing in, not a real one, mind you, something brought to you by Raytheon. But the fake blizzards were more unpredictable and more dangerous, so many dying, freezing to death in the grips of a chemical ice nucleation bombing run. It's getting hard, getting cold and hard to breathe. Sheila looked at me, anoxic, lips blue. I took the breathing equipment from my pack and put it on her. I was saving my unit for later, if you know what I mean. I didn't care. As I told my friends at the Hilltop Bar last week in Ballard, we're all dying. The world is dying, nothing we can do. But at least I can buy my ranch and get my cabin and live out my days in peace. I was pretty drunk. My friends were drunker. They didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. We made it to a spot near Red Castle Lake. We made it we made it to Red Castle Lake. And we set up camp. Sheila undressed herself. Sheila bathed in those cold waters, washing her body, shivering and writhing with soap drip, drip, dripping off of her firm breastuses. I made a big fire and we placed the tent close, but not too close. The next day would decide everything. The next day we would have a reckoning. The next morning, we took only our short-range hiking gear. We left our backpacks and other equipment hanging from some trees, uh, you know, set off, off of the trail. 
and then we went on, went on the hike. You know, we hung our equipment from the trees to avoid bear encounters, if you know what I mean, to dissuade the Wookiees from stealing from us. Bigfoot, Sasquatch, the Wookiee, they go by many names, but they're all filthy thieves. We walked along the trail to the spot indicated on the map by the old bum. He scribbled something there, and I had ignored it until now. Shamanic Gateway. I had ignored it for the same reason. I had ignored it for the same reason. I mocked Sheila when she was talking about her mom. I don't buy into that crap. The supernatural, the occult, the hidden world. Fuck that. I believe in things I can see. I, You know, things that will give me cancer. I believe in sex with a hooker, but that doesn't mean I believe in a hooker surprise. No pretty woman Julia Roberts type for me. I wasn't dumb. I was simply jaded. The hike should have been complete in two hours, but by the fourth hour, the sun was rising high in the sky and our water was running low. Do you think there's a stream of something up there? Sheila wondered out loud. She was thirsty and hungry and tired. I had rode her hard each night, and she'd had barely any sleep at all. It was a wonder she was doing so well, but then I had, you know, the magic trick, the cocaine. I brought enough cocaine to keep her straight, enough to keep her going. She lived here, she lived her, her, her life, she lived her whole life like a lit cigarette, and she didn't care when that light went out as long as she was smoking it. As long as she was smoking. My watch read 7 p.m., but the sun seemed like it was in the sky and indicated just after noon, maybe 2 p.m. The sun should be going down, but instead it kept getting warmer and the air became easier to breathe, as if we descended to sea level. I'm really thirsty, man, Sheila complained. I knew she was nearing her breaking point. We'll hike up for another hour, and then we'll turn back, okay? Are you sure? Yeah, we can try again in the morning. Continuing on the trail for 25 minutes, we saw something. What's that? I don't know. It was a bright red light, brighter than the sun, that was still above despite being 10 p.m. at night on my watch. We inched our ways closer and then we both stopped because the light kept coming towards us. Within seconds, the light was in front of us and it wasn't the light at all. From the light, a body emanated and a voice spoke out. I am Yoron. I am Yoron. I am Yoron, the Nephite. I'm the last of the Trungusklergs. I stand guard. At this portal, buddy. I stand guard to prevent the destruction of the New Jerusalem. When the tribes of Joseph Smith, when they made it here, 
They split into different groups. Some went to Salt Lake City to establish a proper church, you know, a proper temple with proper elders and prophets. Some of them went into the desert to practice darkness and eldritch sexual rituals and other kinds of black blood magic and abuse. A third group, led by Nathan Daggs, a third group followed a map, a map given to Nathan by Joseph Smith before Smith was assassinated by Brigham Young. I stand guard and prevent the evil ones, the outsiders, the whores and vagabonds and other land folk from getting to the new Jerusalem within the portal. You must go, 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 go. I am Yoron. You must go. 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 I just stood there, gobsmacked and dumbstruck, gormlessly looking at this glowing red dude. Sheila sat down and just looked and stared. She stared at the rocks. Sheila wanted to make a few bucks, maybe have a good time. I'd given her the rest of the cocaine, and she'd put most of it up her nose, but it seemed in her crestfallen state, no amount of cocaine would help. After a few minutes, I decided to take action. I pulled out my shotgun and began shooting at Yoron. Yoron, using special Bruce Lee-style moves, deflected my buckshot and slugs. Yoron grabbed my shotgun and broke it in half. And then he screamed forth, You have tempted the ancient cherubs of all celestial realms. Yoron, with arm outstretched, sent a fiery pulse of energy my way. It bounced off some obsidian stone and ended up hitting Sheila. Oh my god. She quickly caught fire. It was at least brutally swift. And she didn't apparently suffer, no. He burnt her to a crisp. This was very, very sad. He shot a light beam at my head, and I didn't catch fire, but I did lose consciousness. I might have been dead. I might never know. I might have been dead. I don't know what happened. I awoke with a headache back at my truck. Sheila was gone. Sheila was gone. She'd lived that life and burnt for it. But why did that Nephite spare me? I was the scum. I was the man going to them their hills to steal their fucking gold. I wondered why he killed Sheila and not me. I drove back to the Hilltop Tavern. I told old Buck at the bar the story. <laughs> he looked at me and shook his fucking head. We laughed. The end. Now what's the moral of the story? The story of me and Sheila? The story of Old Buck? The story of Nathan? It's a story of power. It's a story of gold. It's a story of sex. It's a story of cocaine.
It is 4 a.m. And in a few minutes, this podcast will have lasted two hours. And you can say to yourself, that's all kind of crazy. You can. You can say it's crazy, it's cocaine crazy, you can say I've gone cocaine mad, but here's the simple message. I have to go back to Seattle next week. I don't look forward to flying. I I never have. After 9-11, I despised it. Frankly, after the monkey herpes, I figured I'd never do it again. I'm doing it because I think it's the right thing to do. I'm doing it because I don't know when I will see family again. I don't. My brother's going to go to South America, maybe for a couple of years. At this point in human history, it's almost like, you know, saying you're going to go there for the rest of your life because this is where we're at. You know, we're in the musical chair phase of a dying petrodollar empire that will take most of the world with it. And that's the best case scenario. So I'm going back to Seattle to see family. I'm going back to Seattle to see Beans, the French Bulldog. I'm going back to Seattle to check on things. And you know what? I'll try to report on crap. I'll try to let you know about all the freaks I see. If I end up getting cocaine, I'll try to do a little video blog that I'll post so you can see that I've done the cocaine. That's up to you. It's up to you. Where we're at in the game, whatever it is, whatever game we're playing, it's pointless to talk about third and fourth string. It's pointless to talk about the score. It's pointless to talk about eating popcorn or buying a beer. What you want to do at this point is your business. Okay? I don't think it's the end of the world, but I do think a lot of worlds are about to end. I don't think it's necessarily the end times. But, brothers and sisters, you only get so much time on this planet, Boblimptok. And there are no guarantees. There never were. Okay? There's always been more black swans than white ones. There's always been a harsher reality. We may have lived in a fantasy world for about a half a century. <laughs> we went to the moon. But all that's probably over. And I gotta say, if they're telling us they intend to orbit the moon in 2024, then yeah, 2023 might be the last year you're going to, you know experience anything you might remotely call normal. So enjoy it. Enjoy it. If you want to get vaccinated, enjoy it. If you want to participate in some political bullshit, believing Trump's going to run and win in 2024, if you want to participate in the political dialogue around President Biden and all the nonsense, do it. Enjoy it. Enjoy your life. Be happy. As a Christian, I would admonish you to also pray and read the Bible and try to live the kingdom life. But if you're not a Christian, if you don't give a fuck about anything, then enjoy it. Because none of this was ever going to last. Ever.